0: Food, water, shelter, and nesting are all vital to attracting birds to your backyard. Multiple food sources are also helpful. Shop a wide variety of feeders, waterers, and bird food at Blaine's Farm and Fleet to keep your feathered friends happy and healthy all year long.
1: Ad Council. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. A
0: little warmer today under partly cloudy skies. 50 are expected high. Not cooling down too much tonight, down to an overnight low of 44. And tomorrow... Partly cloudy in 62. Now, this may not be the exact weather that our Wisconsin deer hunters are looking for coming up this weekend, but for the rest of us, it's a whole lot more manageable. Speaking of the gun deer season, Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation reminding hunters you need permission from those landowners before you head to the woods. Talking more about that this morning. We're also focused in on speaking up for agriculture. I think we've all heard the phrase advocacy. Well, agriculture needs it now more than ever. And today, a special session to try to help you fine-tune your skills when it comes to telling the story of Wisconsin agriculture in a lot of different arenas. It's hosted by the Wisconsin Beef Council. Speaking of our associations, the Wisconsin Soybean Association wants you to know that biodiesel is doing very well. I had a chance to visit with the CEO of the National Biodiesel Association, Donnell Reagan. He is our guest as we roll through this hour.
2: The big day's almost here in about a week. We will all be hopefully sitting down to a delicious turkey dinner with the size of the crowd. The bird probably won't have to be as big as normal, but hopefully it's still turkey. And Pam, I know uh, you and I enjoy... The bird. I like the white meat.
0: What do you like? Nope, same here. Same here, Bob. You're right. Fabulous farm bay, Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. But that question of, okay, so people are not going to be having real big family gatherings, uh, smaller tables. Does that mean you want a smaller bird? Hey, guess what? The turkey producers really don't have a lot of control at that situation at this stage in the game. I got a chance to visit about that with John Burkle. He is a Minnesota turkey producer who has also had the pleasure of uh, taking birds out to the White House. He has his operation way up in northern Minnesota, right near the Canadian border. And I got a chance to visit with John and asked him, all right, tell me, how disrupted did your business become in light of the pandemic?
3: It really is. And, it, and the problem is, that, you know, a lot of our year is scheduled out. Uh, you know, the, the birds you're going to eat this year at Thanksgiving were probably, you know, the, the thought, the conception, <laughs> the gleam in the eye was, was a year ago. And so what ends up happening is, you know, we're putting in schedules for our poults, which are the small chicks, turkeys, turkey, small turkeys are poults, right? And so those poult orders are in at least a year in advance. And, you know, a lot of the breeder hen situations are even far, you know, two, three years out. So everything's in motion, and, of course, um, feed rations and turkey genetics being what they are, you know, a lot of the sales occur well before Thanksgiving. In fact, in our situation, our our plant, our processing plant is Northern Pride in the northwestern corner of Minnesota here. And we, uh, you know, we've got these sales made well in advance uh, as early as uh some some in December the year prior. Most of them probably 70 plus percent of our sales are done by March. So yeah, the size of the bird by then is already you know a lot of the, the, the this it's really in motion by then. And yeah, you can scale back rations and slow down you know slow down the the bird at some level, but really the sizes are going to be what they're going to be when once you get to Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. unless you process a few birds early and whatnot. You, there's ways around it, and and we can be real creative there, but. But, you know, given what's gone, I will say this, though. You know, e- despite COVID, that's kind of been the trend the last few years anyway with smaller families in general. Um, smaller birds have kind of been the trend. So I think we can somehow work our way through this. But it's, it is it is something that's going to change. You know, COVID did change what's going on now because a lot of this was in motion.
0: Hmm. Now, what is the average bird that you are, are normally targeting? What's the size?
3: Oh, you know, I, I would guess the majority of ours in, are in the you know 12 to 14, 14 to 16 pound range this time of year. Fresh, maybe even a little bit heavier. A lot of people want a fresh bird that's heavier. Um, well we'll have as low as eight, eight to 10 pound birds. A lot of them, you know, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen more of those kinds of orders the last few years. Like I said, there's been a general tendency for people to want smaller birds anyway with smaller families so mm-hmm.
0: okay now what about the rest of this covid situation markets you know you said you're about uh, 10 miles from the canadian border what about movement of birds or any of that kind of business john
3: say say it again
0: so you're about 10 minutes from the canadian border or so and you what about uh, the rest of the world situation how has that impacted uh, the turkey business
3: oh okay yeah, yeah. It has. The COVID situation, you know, we, we are a seasonal plant. We really focus on Thanksgiving, so 90-plus percent of our birds are hens, and we're really a Thanksgiving, Christmas plant. To, to, you know, we've, we've tried to expand our season some, but COVID really changed um, the way we run, of course, and, and typically we don't start processing our birds till April, um, and then we'll work our way through December and then shut the plant down. So we're, we're very seasonal. But of course, this year in April, we were in the midst of COVID, not, you know, the uncertainty of knowing how to handle it. Uh, and as we all know, the processing industry, the meat processing industry in particular, was really hit hard at the, in the, at the outset of the COVID situation. So we um, were lucky enough, if you want to put it that way, to have um, a little bit of a template to work with from the other processors, because we weren't running right at the outset. And by mid-April... We were getting things geared up, and we were able to bring in the local hospital. You know, Sanford Health was in town. They sent nurses out, and we set up a trailer in front of the plant and did, you know, the precautions, you know, trying to screen people on the way into work, um, giving them their PPE on the way in, and really tried to uh, be aware of the fact that we needed to keep our employees safe when they are working together at the plant every day, you know, in close proximity, because line speeds being what they are and, you know, the way we run – you know, it's it's just hard to social distance a processing plant, and we've been able to keep it out of the plant all year until, and interesting, we'd have this call now last week, we did have our first um, plant employee positive. Um, so, you know, we're we're still struggling through to get through fresh season now and get things done. And as of as of now, we've been able to contain it to that one employee. But yeah. It's been a struggle because once the birds are on the ground and you're feeding them and, and the processing schedules are set in motion, you really can't stop things. It, it just it takes on a life of its own.
0: Now, for some of us that normally end up in the frozen food section looking for our bird, most of those birds have already been processed already, uh, John, or going to be processed pretty quick, huh?
3: Yeah, most of those have been processed. and right, We actually start our fresh season now, so I mean... A lot of the fresh birds you buy at Thanksgiving will be processed here in the next few weeks because we are that close. So um, fresh birds will start here pretty quick. And so, yeah, what you'd see in the frozen section, a lot of that's been processed throughout the summer here and uh, stored wherever we need to store it, you know, distribution centers closer to the geographical areas that we sell most of our birds in. But, yeah, it's... um, we're going to be switching, most plants now in the country will be switching to fresh birds Mm -hmm. for Thanksgiving.
0: Let's talk about how the birds have been performing. Weather been decent. I know you guys control so many elements of that bird's life from their, uh, you know, basically the environment that they're in, the food that they're taking in. So everything go pretty good. You didn't have anything uh, as far as uh, the weather or other elements influencing that bird?
3: Not really. It's been a really good growing season this year. Um, last fall we were really wet. Um, this year we've been fairly dry, to be honest. And, you know, dry and cool weather is not a bad thing for growth rates on birds. Um, so we've, we've had a really nice fall, actually, and uh, it's it's kind of been, <laughs> compared to last year, it was awful. It was one of the wettest falls we've had in a while. So um, it's been a good growing season, and, and health-wise we've had just, you know, a good run here. There hasn't been, you know, back... 5 5 years ago we had the, the avian influenza outbreak in the midwest that really struck hard and and was uh really catastrophic for our industry it took took a couple years to come out of really but none of that this year we've been we've been fortunate
0: So let's talk a little bit about your bottom line then, John. You mentioned, and I've forgotten how close avian influenza has been as far as the calendar. So after that, the rebuild, uh, getting everybody back online, rebuilding populations and that. Now we've got uh, the issue of COVID and questionable demand, perhaps. How's the bottom line looking for turkey growers?
3: It's looking reasonable, but there's kind of two markets there. I mean, for, for the whole bird producer... Things look fairly fairly good this year. Um, on, the, on the other side of it, you know, so typically the birds you see at Thanksgiving are going to be hens that are bagged. The tom is growing heavier, and those are the birds that are boned out, and you're seeing, your you know, your deli breast meats and your, your cuts of turkey, stuff like that. Um, the tom side of the market was hit harder by the COVID situation because a lot of that, you know, there's a lot of export that, that's tied to that. There was just issues revolving around the tom market, it's, you know, it's kind of a bifurcated market. It's a lot different than the hen market. Um, so um, on the whole side, as far as our group goes and our co-op of 25-odd of growers here that, uh, that are invested in our plant, we're, we're going to have a reasonably good year, I think, because um, the whole market has held up well. I do think that people in the end – are looking for something normal this year. I think they 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 want to return to you know the, the traditional Thanksgiving. I think is going to be there, and despite all the talk about smaller birds and the struggle to find them, and I think you know people want normal and they want leftovers after Thanksgiving and they want to watch their football game stuffed. And I think in the end, we're going to have a good year. I think we will.
0: You know, one of the other holiday traditions that uh, you have been involved in yourself is delivering the turkeys out to the White House. What's the game plan for this year, as you understand it, John? And what's that experience like?
3: All oh, the experience is, is great. It, you know, we we were at 2013. My family and and we brought actually brought our senior class from uh, Badger High School out with us. My daughter was a senior that year, so we uh, fundraised and brought the senior class out with us. And yeah, experience of a lifetime. We were the uh, first year of Obama's second term in 2013. And uh, yeah, open up the White House. The only thing that could have been better that day was the weather, and of course. But in the end, we had the event, and, and yeah, you, you're talking this year. Um, I think the grower this year is a friend of mine from Iowa, um, who uh, I'm sure is wondering how things are going to progress here. I uh, to be honest with you, I haven't talked to anyone out at the National Turkey Federation as to how they're handling it or what, what the what the uh, game plan is. For this year's event, I sure hope they can have it. I still think, in the end, like I said earlier, um, the more normal we can have, the better. And I think just people are craving, you know, they, they they're craving normal. And I and I hope they have the event at the White House at some capacity. I I think they might. John
0: Burkle, a Minnesota turkey producer, way up in northern Minnesota, Badger, Minnesota, right on the Canadian border. And as if being a turkey producer wasn't enough, John Burkle also won the election to the Minnesota House of Representatives. He will now be serving the citizens from District 1A at the State House in St. Paul. Congratulations, John. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
4: Johnson Tractor has new Case IH equipment on hand ready for immediate delivery. And 0% financing makes it really easy. Find year-end savings on in-stock Case IH combines, tractors, and planters. Johnson Tractor will sweeten the deal when you trade in your current unit. Call Johnson Tractor today and find yourself in a new Case IH for a great price. Johnson Tractor, Janesville and Judah. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. No doubt about it. The best seat in the house is the one in your bathroom.
3: The toilet is one of those things you never expect to act up or break down. But when it does, Benjamin Plumbing will have one of their capable service techs check things out. It could be something as simple as a float valve. Or it could be you're due for a brand new, comfy toilet. And not to worry, the majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs temperamental
4: toilet contact your friends at benjamin plumbing
5: hi dale benjamin with benjamin plumbing when we say your plumbing problem is fixed we mean it no excuses i guarantee it contact benjamin plumbing at benjaminplumbing.com
0: now you've got a friend in the plumbing business
5: benjamin plumbing
1: Farm goddess, agricultural princess, queen of all that moves. Nah, let's stick with farm babe. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam youngke
0: Well, it was fairly calm when I walked in the studio this morning, but I understand the wind's going to be kicking up quite a little bit today. Stumach Ag Meteorologist along with us. You know, I can't... I can't uh, get my mind off of gun deer season coming up this weekend. And, you know, wind is one of those things that you just really wish you didn't have to contend with. Not only does it make the tree stand sway pretty good, but it also gives uh, those critters a real good sense of where you are with with a wind like that.
2: Absolutely. And at least as we look toward the weekend, I think the winds will finally die down. Maybe there's one we can... We can accept that it will be an improvement, but as we make our way through this Wednesday and on toward Friday, going to be on the breezy side. The big news, south breezes. You know what that means. Mild air builds in. Temperatures warming up. Getting warmer today than we've seen in a while, at least since last week. So it warms up. And that sounds great. We'll have sunshine and strong south breezes today, Thursday. And by Friday, a bit of a change is expected. At least today and tomorrow, a warm front tries to build up into the area. And then uh, by later tomorrow, a cool front pulls through out of the northwest. We're not going to worry about precipitation. Nothing even nearby. The radar indicating a little snow in Canada way north of Minnesota. And some rain out in the Pacific northwest on into Idaho, northern California. None of that imminent threat around here. I do expect that a system will build through from the west. So as we make our way through Saturday and into Saturday night, there'll be some chance of a little rain. A few snowflakes could mix in later Saturday or into Saturday night, but I'm not going to call it a snow event, still some rain chances mixing in with, with snow, that is, into Sunday as well. That does cool it off, getting back toward normal again by early next week. So it sounds a bit more like later November next week, but the next couple of days, although breezy, are going to be really mild and kind of enjoyable. I'll have forecast details right after this.
1: We're on YouTube, well, it sure Keeping Wisconsin strong.
4: Are you paying too much for health insurance? Rural Mutual Insurance can help you find the best options for individual, group, vision, dental, and Medicare. Call your local Rural Mutual agent to see how you can save.
1: Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. A history of success means proven performance, but let's call performance what it is. Profitability and boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of Decal Brand Corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how Decal Brand Corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
0: All righty, Stu, let's have a few more details on that forecast. It's going to stay halfway mild temperature-wise, but that wind, like you said, that's why we're going to be mild.
2: Yeah, that's it. Sunny and breezy today, but really nice. Some upper 40s, a few low 50s, especially in west and southern Wisconsin. But those south winds, they'll increase today up to around 10 to 20, even gusting near 30. That's how winds remain overnight and into Thursday. So clear, breezy overnight, down only around 40, maybe an upper 30 here or there. South winds 10 to 20 and gusty, mostly sunny Thursday, partly sunny skies building in the west. But around 60, a few low 60s, 62 Madison could be a warm spot. The southwest wind still quite strong, gusting to 30. And then there's Friday, partly sunny, back to the low 50s. And maybe a upper 40 with the northwest wind at 5 to 10. Could be that little rain, snow as we start move our way into Saturday afternoon, Pam. But even then, around 40 or so Saturday, not uncomfortably cold, but it's going to be a little damp.
0: All right. Well, we'll, we'll get the Gore-Tex going. We've got clothes that wait in the closet all year round for this kind of stuff, right? Oh, yeah, uh, many changes. Yes, that's <laughs> right. All right, man. we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. You betcha. Be good. Stumach, our ag meteorologist with the weather details that you're looking for. Uh, now, coming up, we are going to be talking with uh, Sandy Chalmers, our Wisconsin State uh, Director of Farm Service Agency offices. You know, we're uh, kind of keeping an eye on the amount of money that Wisconsin farms of all types have uh, received through the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, CFAP. Uh, The numbers get pretty big pretty fast, and a lot of that money going to our Wisconsin dairy industry. And before we uh, finish her up today, biodiesel, it's not something that we talk a lot about in Wisconsin, but boy, I'll tell you, it is a major market mover, and we're going to discuss that with Donnell Reagan from the National Biodiesel Association.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Fire threatens everything in its path. When it threatens our nation and our communities, we respond. We bring the fight to the front line. The Army National Guard stands ready to face the dangers of Mother Nature and protect our homes and our neighbors. We will always be there when your community needs us the most. Discover more about all the ways you can serve part-time in your community by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station.
0: Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com.
5: A voice for farmers. A vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Recently, I moved to Wisconsin, and I decided that it was time to change up my insurance. And after a bit of searching, it was pretty obvious that I needed to go with Rural Mutual Insurance. This is Josh Gramlin from the Midwest Farm Report. Not only did I want a great rate and even better coverage, but I wanted a Wisconsin-based insurance company that protects and supports our Wisconsin farmers and agribusiness community. To find out what Rural Mutual can do for you, do what I did and go to RuralMutual.com. Rural
1: Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong.
6: When someone breaks important safety rules and drives negligently, a crash is often the result. If you're caught in a crash because another driver broke the rules, it can feel unfair, and for good reason. It's not fair when you're injured through no fault of your own. It's not fair when your life is now very different. We can help. At Clifford and Reihala, after decades of helping people injured because someone else broke the rules, we know what you're going through and we're ready to stand by you. Here you'll find caring, compassionate attorneys committed to helping you recover everything you've lost. If you've been in a crash, call Clifford & Rihala for a free consultation on your injury claim. We'll fight to make things right so that now you're treated fairly.
7: For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford & Rihala, hard-working, skilled attorneys fighting for you for justice, myjustice.com.
5: If you came across a child struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you recognize a 13-year-old boy who gets into fights at school? school? Not because he's a boy, but because he's hungry. Or a two-year-old girl who cries all night? Not Not because because she's sick, but because she went to bed without enough to eat. Or maybe a nine-year-old boy Who hopes a friend invites him to the sleepover? Not for fun, just so he can have dinner. Or a 15-year-old girl who goes for walks over lunch, so her friends won't know she doesn't have anything to eat? I am the one in seven American children who struggle with hunger. Kids you pass by every day, but never knew were hungry. I am child hunger in America.
1: Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America 200 Food Bank Strong. You no longer have to hide your hands. Your hands have been taking care of everyone else. Isn't it time that you take care of your hands? A Skincare Minute with Skincare Expert Michelle Neeson. Did you know there are several aesthetic treatments that help your hands look brighter, healthier, and more youthful? Treatments such as broadband light and chemical or laser peels help with tone, texture, and getting rid of those stubborn age spots. Skin-type procedures can smooth out wrinkles and fine lines, as well as add new collagen. Dermal filler, like Restylane Lift, is used to improve the volume in the back of the hands. The results are noticed immediately, giving you a fuller, more hydrated appearance. Most treatments can last over a year and are more affordable than you might think. Now you can show off your hands with confidence.
7: Let your natural beauty shine through.
1: Visit us at Prairie.com.
0: Recently, the U.S. Navy delivered tons of food to hungry people halfway around the world. But you could help someone in your own community simply by donating a can of soup. Last week, a Navy doctor saved the life of a total stranger.
1: Just like you could by giving a pint of blood.
0: The men and women of America's Navy do some amazing things to make the world a better place. So can you. Whether it's by donating food or simply giving time, right in your own backyard. Brought to you by America's Navy.
5: It was to the news of the Milwaukee Bucks getting Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. By the way, I I love that name. What what do you think of the moves by the Bucks, my friend?
6: Yeah, it was a great night for Milwaukee last night. Um, They got better. There's no questioning that. Moving on from Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, who was obviously a valuable veteran piece, and Bledsoe had his his postseason shortcomings, but they got better last night. And not only did they get better last night, but they improved their chances to keep the honest and Kumbo around for the long haul. And that's what everything had to be about. That's what everything was about. And this is a team that now, I believe, has a better chance at winning a title in twenty twenty one. But more importantly, they have a better chance at young Senator Kumbo being around for the next six years, yeah. and that's what matters the most.
5: That's what I want to ask you about, Danny. So you're an Ohio native. I mean, you grew up obviously loving the Cavaliers, still love the Cavaliers. You, uh, I think LeBron James, I'd safe to say, is your favorite athlete of all time, yeah? Sure,
6: that would be a fair assessment.
5: What was it like when LeBron James left the Cleveland Cavaliers for you?
6: I mean that was uh, devastating as a uh, sophomore in high school. Um, it, it was
5: it was just a it was a
6: crushing thing to uh, to a fan. I mean it was a crushing thing to a city. You know it was, uh, Cleveland kind of went from being the pseudo center of the sports world to an an afterthought, and that's a difficult thing for for a franchise to deal with. It's a difficult thing for a fan base to deal with, and it's a, a difficult thing for a local economy to deal with too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, then that then the that king was,
5: came back though. The king came back and he got you a title, and then you got to cover him doing that, Danny. Uh, the and reason why I bring that up, everything. The reason why I bring that up though is, you know, when when James first left, did you ever think he was going to leave?
6: Um, I didn't want to admit that I thought I did, but it made the writing was on the wall, and it made all the sense in the world for for that to happen. And there were similar writings on the wall, I think with Giannis in Milwaukee prior to what happened last night.
5: So that, that's where I was going with this, is, is I don't think Giannis is going to leave, but I am also a, a homer when it comes to my teams, you know, like who wouldn't want to be in the lovely state of Wisconsin playing for the Bucks, right? But then you look at your backyard where James leaves the Cavaliers oh. to find greener pastures. Do you think um, if they don't make these moves that Giannis does not sign that Supermax and would, you know, go elsewhere?
6: If they don't make these moves, I certainly don't think Giannis signs the Supermax this summer. And that being said, you know, it would he has to sign it prior to December 22nd, prior to the start of the season, or that same exact offer can be presented to him at the start of next offseason. So it's not as if, oh, he signs it now, or he's definitely gone, the Bucks can't re-sign him, because that's just not true. But now with these moves, I think the likelihood of Giannis signing that deal prior to the start of this upcoming season has increased tenfold. I, I went from I would have been absolutely stunned if it happened to now I I I think it's a, a good possibility that it does happen. Um I think there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan today. Yeah. Um this last night was I think one of the biggest nights in franchise history.
5: Well, what type of player is Drew Holiday in your opinion? Is he an upgrade over yeah. everyone else that they traded and is he is he a nice player for a nice fit for the Bucks?
6: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, let, let me just speak in a, a quick generality here that Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovic, the two players that the Bucks acquired last night, were the two best players involved in either one of those traits. The Bucks got better last night. Drew Holiday is quite an upgrade from Eric Bledsoe. And Bledsoe's a fine player in the regular season. I think we could agree he's an 82-game player and doesn't necessarily have what it takes to be successful when the lights shine the brightest. He's a good defender, a so-so offensive player that's a little too turnover-prone and can't shoot well enough. But Drew Holiday is, is a, a massive upgrade in that position, in my opinion. He's The lights aren't going to be too bright for him in the playoffs. He's a very good defender, maybe not quite the first-team All-NBA guy that Eric Bledsoe has been the last two years, but there's not a very big difference if there's a difference at all yeah. on what those guys can do defensively. And then offensively, Holiday's is the better player. Um, he He's not great from three-point range, but he's better than Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> and he's really good at everything else. I just have, Danny, just, I have a, nightmares.
5: I have nightmares of Eric Bledsoe trying to shoot threes in the playoffs. It like haunts my dreams, and not, it is terrible. I can't stand it.
6: it. If nothing else, Drew Holiday is not going to get outplayed and embarrassed by a guy like Terry Rozier in the playoffs. Oh, That's bad. not going to happen with Drew Holiday. Unbelievable. Why do you have to
5: bring that up, Danny? If your workout
1: includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
0: Partly cloudy today. We're looking for a high of around 50. Thursday, partly cloudy and 62. Friday, 51, and even into the weekends, although we've got rain in the forecast Saturday and Sunday, temperatures still in the 40s. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. It's the 18th day of November. couple little tidbits for you. Did you know on this day in 1963, push-button phones were used for the very first time. Now, just stop and think about how you're going to have to explain that to your kids or grandkids. Push-button phones used for the very first time on this day in 1963. On this day in 1978, the mass suicides took place in Jonestown. Remember that? Uh, Jim Jones, the founder and head of the People's Temple, they started in Indianapolis, ended up in Guyana, where 900 people plus committed suicide. This day in 1978. Happy birthday to actor Owen Williams. And uh, happy anniversary to Catherine Zeta-Jones and Michael Douglas. They got married on this date in 2000. And now you know. Well, we want you to know that if you are planning on heading to the woods, then you definitely need to make sure that you're respectful of Wisconsin's trespass law. Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation reminding everybody that's headed to the woods According to Wisconsin's trespass law, you need to make sure that you have got permission from the landowners in either written or verbal form. And that means every year, not just because you kind of talked to them about five years ago. Gefford says communication is one of the biggest things we need for a safe hunting season. She also reminds landowners, if you have problems with trespassers, call your county sheriff's office. She says DNR wardens do not have the authority to investigate trespassing complaints. So why don't you take some of the time today before Friday, folks, and reach out to those landowners and rural farmers and make sure that you've got permission yet again this year to hunt on their land. It is part of Wisconsin's trespass law. And remember, that's whether or not the land is posted. Today is a day to speak up for Wisconsin agriculture, or at least gain some of the skills on how to speak up for agriculture. Agriculture advocacy is a phrase that's often used, but sometimes people don't really have the skill set necessary to do a good job of communicating with non-farm consumers. Tammy Vossen, the executive director of the Wisconsin Beef Council, says today... They want to try to correct that.
7: This is really an opportunity for anyone within agriculture, um, or if you're a beef farmer, or you're working for a related supplier company, or however you're engaged in agriculture, to tune in and learn from someone who has been able to share her story Nationally, with consumers, about what we are doing across our state and nation in producing wholesome and safe beef for for families. So this is really that opportunity to to tune in and learn how you can share your story, whether that's through social media, through people um, that you're going to church with, or, or perhaps sharing stories at um, family gatherings or even just at the grocery store about beef nutrition, um, how we, again, how we're raising it, um, and how to really connect on a deeper level with our consumers.
0: Tammy Vossen, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Beef Council. So their Agriculture Advocacy Webinar is tonight, starting at 7 p.m., featuring that South Dakota beef producer, Amanda Radke. Amanda is a fifth-generation rancher in Mitchell, South Dakota, and she's really dedicated her entire career to being the voice of the nation's beef producers. She'll spend about an hour working through some of the things that you can do as someone engaged in agriculture, as someone interested in agriculture, or invested in it to tell the story to consumers at the grocery store, like Tammy said, at church, wherever the opportunity uh, presents itself, starting 7 o'clock tonight. Now, you can register for that uh, Zoom session at beeftips.com. Just search for advocacy, and you'll find the pre registration page available there. Tammy Vossen with the Wisconsin Beef Council and tonight's Agriculture Advocacy Webinar starting at 7. Speaking of calendar items, don't forget, today is also the very first Dairy Summit hosted by the Dairy Innovation Hub. That begins at 10 a.m. this morning with different greetings from uh, UW-River Falls, Platteville, and Madison, and then proceeds to move forward talking about uh, all the fantastic research being done on what we can do with dairy besides drink it and eat it. Is it going to be pharmaceuticals? Is it going to be biological methods? It is a fascinating conversation to be had starting at 10 a.m. again today. That Dairy Summit, free and open to the public. Just go to the Dairy Innovation Hub website and get registered for that one. So now markets and overnight electronic trade. Boy, the soybeans continue to be very, very impressive. January beans right now are up a nickel, currently at eleven seventy-four and three quarters. The December corn's up a penny and a half right now at four twenty-one. July wheat, that's down a half a cent right now, currently at six oh three a bushel. I guess the good news is fluid milk contracts for December are up sixteen cents at sixteen thirty-two a hundred weight, January up four at sixteen seventy-one after being pummeled again yesterday. Barrel cheese is unchanged at a dollar forty. Forty-pound block cheese dropped fourteen and three quarter cents again yesterday to a dollar seventy-seven. Double A butter was down a penny and three quarters at one thirty-six and a quarter per pound. Our Wisconsin dairy farmers have been the beneficiaries of a lot of that federal money that came through the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program or CFAP. Sandy Chalmers is the state director of our Wisconsin Farm Service Agency offices, and she's tallying up the numbers.
7: The second round to date, we've we've um, made about $441 million in, in payments. Almost half of that is on milk production. When, when you add together the first and second rounds of CFAP in our state, we've made $964 million in, in payments total, and about $542 million of that is on milk production.
0: Sandy Chalmers, State Director of our Wisconsin Farm Service Agency offices, and another reminder that the Dairy Margin Coverage Program, DMC, is still available for dairy producers as a risk management tool, sign-up ends on December 11th, so if you haven't already taken a look at that option, make sure you're talking to your county farm service agency offices and getting that paperwork taken care Hold of.
1: Hold on just a second. Our friends at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board stop by our studio in just a moment. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. At Wiffle's Hybrids, our family recipe for success has been handed down for three generations. Take two parts high-performing hybrids, mix with one part unmatched quality, then finish it off with our secret sauce, superior customer service. Some people may say it's impossible to get the best hybrids from an independent family-owned company, to which we'd say, have your cake and eat it, too. Mmm, Wiffle's Hybrids. Quite
2: possibly the best hybrids you can buy. We don't offer greasy handshakes or kiss babies on the forehead to get your vote. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. We hope you elect Tom's Auto Center for our overall genuine knowledge of complete auto repair. We really do want to make your car great again. Stay safe,
4: drive safe. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's.
1: Tom's Auto Center. Hmm. Need to get some rest. This is the worst headache ever. Hmm. Right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on her last night.
5: I keep losing my balance. These
1: old bones need some exercise.
5: Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish.
1: Sounds like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke.
0: Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg.
1: Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere.
0: If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own.
6: Time lost is brain lost.
0: Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council.
1: Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
0: Our Wisconsin soybean growers are very much looking forward to the end of the harvest and uh, what's been a pretty good year as far as overall production. But where do those beans go? That's what we want to talk about today. It's all brought to you courtesy of your soybean checkoff dollar. want to remind you again, you can find more details on all of our soybean information uh, what's going on with the program online, badgerbean.com. Go to coolbean.info for Dr. Sean Conley, our University Extension Soybean Specialist, updates on the growing season and of course, uh, the wisoy.org also will get you there. Now, we're talking about an industry that you may not have heard a lot about lately, National Biodiesel and what's happening there. Donnell Reagan is the Chief Executive Officer for the National Biodiesel Board and uh, you are no stranger to the industry, Donnell. Tell them a little bit. You've You've actually been at the National Biodiesel Board basically since its inception, have you not?
4: Well not quite but uh, I have been here for uh, 16 years yeah the national biodiesel board's been around since 1992 you know the nation's soybean farmers uh, were at that time looking for uh, to create a market for soybean oil that was uh, continuing to grow and accumulate and so uh, we've been at this since 1992 but really commercial production of biodiesel didn't really start until the late uh, till around 2000
0: wow Okay, so that's something. So how are we doing as far as production, consumption? I mean, there was a time when actually our commodity prices, high soybean prices, made it almost uh, a disadvantage uh, for soybean bio-D. So what's going on today?
4: Well, things are are growing and a lot different. You know, as I said, I've been here 16 years, and when I joined in 2004, uh, biodiesel production in the United States was maybe around 100 million gallons. Uh, Last year in 2019, we went over that 2 billion gallon mark. Uh, two billion, so billion with a B. And so we've seen a, a lot of growth. And the neat thing that we are looking at is, is seeing what's coming out in front of us. And we, we have high hopes and expectations that our industry will uh, will continue to grow in the coming years.
0: Is there anything uh, people are going to say, oh, sure, but that's because there's attractive government incentives to get biodiesel out there? Help them understand that side of things, Danelle.
4: Well, there's, there's some truth to that. I mean, obviously, uh, programs that incentivize uh, production, uh, incentivize distribution and, and blending and use all do have a huge impact. And they've been big drivers, but I think what we're seeing now is the nation's uh, consumers' push for cleaner Uh, transportation fuels, cleaner home heating fuels um, is pushing this drive for uh, more biodiesel and renewable diesel out into the marketplace. And that's why it's our belief uh, that although we're a 3 billion gallon market today, uh, that by 2030, we will be a 6 billion gallon market here in the United States.
0: Outstanding. Wonderful to hear those kinds of projections. And you also point out something maybe people don't realize is the diversity of biodiesel and where it can be used.
4: We have biodiesel production in in many uh, most of the states in the country, and so that's one of the neat things about our industry is uh, we've got this strong connection to the rural economies. We're able to uh, create opportunities for soybean farmers, particularly, but animal and livestock growers as well. Out in the you know out and around the Midwest and and creating economic opportunities in some areas where maybe there wasn't such uh, before and and creating that value for soybean farmers you know we've calculated out that uh, in 2018 for instance the demand equated to 3.9 billion dollars of additional revenue for soybean farmers that's that's 52 dollars per acre just because of the domestic biodiesel industry,
0: and as you said. People don't have to think of biodiesel as just something that goes in a tank. It, it's used in a lot of different places.
4: It is. You know, biodiesel or diesel engines are very forgiving machines, as, as many of your listeners know. And, and so biodiesel is being blended in various levels into most of the diesel fuel that's consumed in the United States. And so although you may not be able to pull up to a pump or something and see a big sign that says biodiesel, uh, there's a pretty good bet that you're going to be getting some blend of biodiesel, maybe a low-level blend, but maybe a higher-level blend as well. And so it's very functional from that standpoint, very flexible from that standpoint, to allow users to capture whatever value of biodiesel they want to in that gallon of diesel fuel.
0: Donnell Regans along with us. He is the chief executive officer for the National Biodiesel Board, about 130 member companies from across the United States. And, of course, that involves a lot of our soybean growers. Let's talk a little bit more, Donnell, about where you see opportunity. Now, we've had some transition, obviously, that we're working through in Washington, D.C. Is there any pending legislation or movement federally speaking, or even on a regional basis, that continues to encourage biodiesel production. I mean, you made an excellent point. More and more, especially in light of the pandemic, uh, consumers want to be in control of where they're getting things from, and that directly correlates with the message from biodiesel.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I think the biggest driver right now, as I mentioned earlier, is carbon policy. And the goals of Of uh, states and regions of the country to have cleaner transportation fuels. And so that's always been biodiesel's sweet spot. We've always been a much friendlier fuel to the environment. Uh, Carbon and greenhouse gas reductions are are immense using biodiesel instead of petroleum diesel. And so that message is now kind of coalescing through the country and you're seeing consumers and again states and regions, you know, from a policy and regulatory standpoint that are saying, we want to make this move and we want to make it now. And so we're going to have a great opportunity to capture a lot of that uh, market because we have those products in biodiesel, renewable diesel, we have those products available now. So where they may be looking long-term for electrification and things like that, we all know that some of those markets, especially heavy-duty transportation, off-road like uh, your farmers are experiencing, is not an ideal application for electrification. So we're able to offer those carbon reductions in a liquid fuel that operates exactly like uh, everybody's been used to, only it's biodiesel and renewable diesel.
0: If Donnell Reagan could use his magic wand and tap a region or a state of the country and open their eyes to the benefits of biodiesel, where would it be, Donnell? The reason I bring that up is other alternative fuels, other renewable fuels, have struggled for acceptance in certain areas. Is there anything like that that you'd love to remedy with biodiesel?
4: Well, we have sort of a unique situation there. Most of the biodiesel in the country is produced in the Midwest, uh, but actually most of the demand for biodiesel is on the east and the west coasts. And so if I had a region of the country that I'd like to see, you know, better understand the benefits of using biodiesel, it would actually be many of us right here in the Midwest. I'm in Missouri. We have nine biodiesel produ- uh, uh, plants here in the state of Missouri, but a lot of that fuel leaves the state of Missouri. And so... Uh, uh, Trying to see that that would happen would be a a huge improvement for for us. And I think uh, when you start looking at carbon policies and and environmental policies, those are things that are going to come, maybe a little slower here in the Midwest, but those are going to come to our spaces as well. And again, biodiesel, renewable diesel will be well positioned for that.
0: Again, uh, Donnell Reagan, Chief Executive Officer of the National Biodiesel Board, along with us, a conversation brought to you courtesy of your Wisconsin soybean checkoff dollars. You make a really good point, though, Donnell, about staying engaged in the conversation and, you know, like you said, being your own champion. How can our Wisconsin farmers, our Wisconsin consumers that are conscientious about those carbon credits, that locally produced fuel, where can they find out more information about, whereby, biodiesel is what benefits it is and how can they get that conversation started even maybe locally as far as suppliers
4: yeah absolutely we have a great website biodiesel.org We have a lot of information there maps uh, of states and regions where you can find biodiesel producers you can find biodiesel distributors you can find retail sites and so my my suggestion would be for those who want to increase that in your areas would be to ask your distributors ask for the product to be sold at your local stations wherever you usually fuel up talk to your fuel distributors that bring fuel out to your farm and ask them uh, tell them you want biodiesel to be available to you. Um, from also, from a policy standpoint, as I say, very influential, make sure you're elected leaders in your cities. Don't skip them in your cities, in your counties. And at your state level, know how important biodiesel is to to your economy. As soybean farmers, uh, we're talking about biodiesel making up 13% of the cash price of soybeans today, 13%. So that market is extremely important to soybean farmers, whether you have a biodiesel plant in your backyard or whether you don't even have one in your entire state. It makes a difference nationally in the price of soybeans.
0: Oh, my goodness, for sure. And like he said, it is growing, and that's the plan with the national. Biodiesel Board. That's Donnell Reagan, Chief Executive Officer. Like he said, a fantastic network uh, that continues to grow that industry and will continue to grow that industry on your behalf. Your soybean checkoff dollars at work with the National Biodiesel Board. And that update brought to you courtesy of your soybean checkoff dollars. Don't forget, for more information on how you can stay engaged in the Wisconsin Soybean Association, as well as what's going on with your checkoff dollars, go to wisoybean.org, badgerbean.com, or, of course, Dr. Sean Conley's website, always there with great information.